The following is a message from the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan. Would you like to help build a stronger, brighter future for the Japan of tomorrow? Then don't forget to make a real difference by taking the time to cast your vote in your local election, and also by maybe having a bunch of babies. Even just eight or nine babies would go a long way. This has been a message from the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan. Welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Molly Horn. Today we're also going to be joined by Sophie Hardison, author of the Hatena blog Fee Hardison and current resident of Hiroshima, where she acts as the Inspector General of the Sanzu no Kawa River Crossing Certification Authority. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. Our pleasure. So,、uh, on today's show, the South Korean film Parasite sweeps the Oscars, and people are wondering whether or not South Korea has overtaken Japan in terms of cultural soft power. We'll dive into what I feel pretty comfortable calling the most contentious and most consequential Japan Korea dispute of all time. Also, Ali's got your river cruise recommendation. Yeah, Ali? Yes, this week I'm going to be recommending all of our listeners to download the new Foreign Traveler River Cruise Welcome to Japan exclusive discount app. Based on the success and ease of the JR Rail Pass, where all you have to do is submit your passport and payment details in your home country, then go and collect a voucher and exchange that voucher for a stamp and take that stamp to a counter in order to get your discount card. Here, all travelers have to do is to download an app simply from only the Japanese app store for now,、uh, requiring you to register using a Japanese cell phone number and a Japanese email address, which will unlock a series of discounts for a number of river cruises across the country, plus gives you a 50 yen discount in any participating pharmacy, providing you speak Japanese. Along the same lines, a line of luxury river cruises modeled after JR's luxury train experiences, with Michelin chef curated dining, upper deck cabin suites, and prices starting at 25 mon a night. We're going to start a hard hitting, in depth expose into how these types of elitist enterprises are destroying traditional Japanese river cruise culture, and we won't stop until we get some complimentary passes. But first, soap talk. <laughs> Bobby Judo, how's your week been? Nothing going on. You know, you would think having a viral tweet that was viewed over two and a half million times、uh, actually has no bearing on life whatsoever. That's weird. I would have thought、weird. you'd be a rich man now. Our、uh, our guest today, Sophie, has viral tweet experience, right, Sophie? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you got quoted in the New York Times for something. Oh, that's like a while ago, like a few years ago. For the sake of the listeners,、uh, Sophie is mixed race, J- Japanese and American, and so she's using her modest side to say, "Oh, that was a while ago." Sophie, trust me, if I had a New York Times credit, even if that was when I was six months old, I would still be milking that. That would be on the top of every poster I use. I tend to tweet my opinions in Japanese, but I tend to try as hard as I can to be polite about it, so as not to like offend any Japanese followers. Mm-hmm. But、uh, but that's a very different vibe from what you do, which I think can seem like very refreshing. I think someone needs to, you know, use strong words sometimes. Which one of your tweets do you think has had the the most surprising reaction for you? I'm in the New York Times one. Like I didn't I didn't even think about that. You know, like oh, someone's just gonna put my tweet on New York Times. Like that was crazy. Can you remind us what that one was about? It was when、um, the tennis player Naomi Osaka,、uh, she won 
the I don't know a match or something. I really don't know anything about tennis. I'm really sorry. Um, but yeah. Oh, anyways, oh that's interesting because if you want to hear about tennis, you can listen to our fourth podcast, which is tennis. <laughs> what? There's a tennis match going on. Yeah, yeah. Let's listen to the tennis. Let's get to that tennis match right away. Dot com <laughs> is where you can that's find other, it. That's our other podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so like um, some Japanese people are like, oh, Naomi Osaka, we are proud of her because she's Japanese, blah, blah, blah. But then like till she won the match, everyone was like, oh, she's Gaijin, like she's not Japanese. She can't even speak in Japanese. And then like, you know, they just flipped their hands. And then I was kind of mad about that. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, as soon as there's something that, that you can hold up and say, this is a positive for our country, then then you want to claim somebody. But yeah. in all of the other senses where you have to kind of like take responsibility or view them as a part of your culture, then all of a sudden it's like, nope, nope, we are one homogenous race. We are one society. Yeah, and you, exactly. you find this some, someone who's mixed race anyway, right? That despite the fact you were like born in Japan, your first language is Japanese. In fact, I think most of the time I've spoken to you has been in Japanese. It's rare that you'll even speak English uh, socially unless it's to someone that doesn't speak Japanese, right? Like Japanese is yeah. more part of your identity in Japan than it is your English side of your identity. It is. Like obviously you've had Naomi Saka-like experiences and you've shared them with Japanese people. What, what do they tend to say back to you? And then some people are like, yeah, I feel you. But like at the same time, some people were like, like, what's wrong with, you know, being proud of her as Japanese? Like, you are being racist now. And I'm like, mm. like, so some people, like, they don't, they don't know this, like, racism things are going on around us. So, like, they'd be like, no, like, racism doesn't exist in Japan. And I'm like, ooh, like, you're going to say that? Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Anytime that there's somebody saying something critical about Japan in any sense, there are all of these Japanese people who are quick to say that is not a thing that happens, even though it's yeah. not about their personal experience whatsoever. Like, they don't have the window into the mixed race experience. They don't have the window into the yeah. foreign experience. What, what I've noticed is that there tends to be a lot of overlap between the kind of Japanese person who loves to see foreigners speaking Japanese when they're saying good things about Japan yeah. and the kind of person who the second they hear something negative goes, well, get out of our country. Mm. If you don't like it, leave. it's the exact same person. Anytime I'm on Twitter going, I love Japanese food or something, something like that. They're like, yes, this is great. And then they start scrolling down to some of my other tweets and they go, wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did not mean to like you before I realized you had some opinions that I did not agree with. Yeah. Sophie, do you have any opinions that you're comfortable to say to your English speaking circle of friends, but not your Japanese speaking following? I mean, actually, I'm really not afraid to say same things to like English speakers and Japanese speakers. That's why I don't have Japanese friends because <laughs> they're because <laughs> they're scared to be judged by me because I make I always make comments about like, you know, how shallow and like lame Japanese people can be. And then I always say that out loud that they are kind of scared to be judged now. Yeah. So speaking of, of Twitter and uh, your online presence, Sophie, I noticed you tweeting something, uh, retweeting around the ideas of uh, the word feminism coming to Japan. 
Oh, yeah. So actually, there is this like hashtag coup two thing going on. And then yeah. like since then, like those like feminism, like activists, like, you know, are trying their best to make a change in Japan. And then like this guy who is called Hiroyuki, who mm-hmm. actually um, established uh, Nichan. I think that's oh, yeah, called yeah, Botan yeah. now. Yeah, it's yeah. like Red Dead. The Japanese Japanese version of Reddit, and then um, he... everybody listening to this podcast knows what Nichen is. I mean, all <laughs> okay, the Koreans cool. are familiar with Nichen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, this guy um, had an interview with Half Boss talking about um, feminism, and he said like, "Oh, I know how easy it is to be a housewife because I saw my mom traveling around, blah blah blah," and then like those comments. He made in the interview is triggering, triggering like all the Japanese women, not all the Japanese women, like some of Japanese women on the internet. And their perspective, being housewife, raising a kid, is not a easy job. And like he said, it. I know it's easy to raise a kid and be a housewife. So like that's why like women are triggered and everything. But I thought like he thinks this way like he treat women this way like we are happy to know that so like you know yeah he he did he did everybody a favor by kind of like outing himself and you can go well that he thinks so now we don't have to be involved with him anymore yeah it it reminds me of that of that viral tweet from last year where um some uh, academics decided to put on a conference about feminism and it was like the picture was 12 men um, yeah. putting, on, oh. putting on the conference it's like it's like that that's all we needed to know the conference now doesn't need to happen i've noticed in like any online twitter debate recently in the japanese twitter sphere uh i've noticed that in the comments there are a handful of people who are echoing exactly what sophie's saying there's somebody who always writes i see these things on twitter blow up and i never understand how people don't read them and just stop at oh here's <laughs> a person who thinks this way cool for them i'm gonna <laughs> go about my day yeah, I've, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of those comments recently. Um, and then the other thing is like like this idea of, I think people get mad about it because it is a very typical male knee-jerk reaction to, mm-hmm. to a feminist movement or the word feminism or the idea of feminism to go, well, actually men have it worse and women have it easy, which most women feel is not the reality. And Anytime you see these conversations, you see all these Japanese men pop up in the conversation and go, there's all this talk about how, how, you know, women are discriminated against, but actually it's the men who are discriminated against. And actually all this talk of danjo, danjo, fubio, 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 mm. but it's, yeah, but it's, but that, the, that means, that means gender equality, right? Gender inequality. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, sorry. But like but the point of that word is like danjo is is the word for man and woman, right? Which is like yeah. the word for gender. And I think like what people in the West think is wrong about feminism is that it's like talking about the women, right? Like they want to elevate the women and make them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not for feminism, but I am for gender equality. And it's like, well, so are feminists. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point I'm saying. It's like you already have like different, you know, perspective on feminism. That's what I'm talking about. I think yeah. that's all right to be like that. You know, yeah. it's nonsense to just like go for like each other. Like, you know, like you're wrong. Fight me. Like that's yeah. like, yeah. that's a no go. 
And actually, I remember when I was first here in Japan, and I don't remember why, but the subject of women's rights came up. And I remember a long, long time ago asking, like, you know, how do you discuss the court case, Bobby? What's that? Wasn't it the court case? Uh, So this is a bit now. This is you trying (laughs) to do a bit, right? It's it's really hard to tell. It just says random things. Because you said, I don't know why, but the subject of women's rights came up. It's like, it sounds, sounds to me like you said something objectionable and everyone around the dinner table was like, right, Bobby, let me talk to you about women's rights. And you think that has something to do with a court case? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't think that, Bobby. Okay. Uh, what I'm doing is using a comedic exaggeration. Uh, well done. <laughs> thanks, ma'am. <laughs> But anyway, so the, the word the I wanted to use the word women's rights in the conversation, and I said, "What's the Japanese for that?" And someone said, "Well, I guess you could say Joshi no jinken undo. Joshi is women, and mm-hmm. jinken is human rights, and undo is a movement. Mm-hmm. So, like the mm-hmm. female women's rights, the female human rights movement." But they said that's not something that really is a term in Japanese, and it's not something that we really talk about a lot. And that might just be like where I was in Japan and the environment that I was in in Japan. But I, I was, I did get the impression that like feminism or the idea of women's rights were not as openly discussed and there wasn't the same kind of dialogue around it for the average Japanese person as there is in the West. Yeah. Like a lot of what we would consider problematic ideas around gender and around what a woman's role is, is stuff that's very, very just normal and average to Japanese society oh. at large. Chalk and cheese. It's like it's like you can tweet about going, hmm, are some kanji problematic because they might imply that a woman's place is in the home? Uh, whereas you go to actual have Japanese done, society. I have done that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But you go to actual Japanese society and uh, you have a police officer saying, uh, in what respect was she sexually harassed? It seems to me like only her ass was slapped. Uh so yeah. like that, there, there is a there is a long way to go. Uh, that, by the way, Sophie is verbatim from an actual police officer. What? So should we jump into? Should we look at the mail because it's very germane to what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have mail this week. It is from, believe it or not, Brian in Fukuoka. Hey, I've Brian. Heard of him. Brian. Yeah. Uh, right on topic, Brian. He says, uh, "So excited to have you back. What have I learned from the first couple of episodes of season two? No one supports women and native cultures in Japan like you two white guys. Keep doing the Lord's work." Um, you know, I take offense at that because I don't think it's really fair to say that we are two two white guys. We're not just two white guys who support women and native cultures in Japan. We're two white guys who support women and native cultures the world over. Also, we have an actual woman on our podcast, so... (laughs) Representation at work. Shall we talk about the news? Let's. Bobby, lots of things going on. What, in our view, is the most important thing happening this week? The most important thing this week and maybe ever, uh, the movie Parasite, the South Korean film, swept the Oscars, won Best Director, Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, as well as another others, as well as a number of others even. Uh, it started this debate that between two people I follow on Twitter, uh, Hiroko Tabuchi, who writes for the New York Times, and Matt Alt, who's written a bunch of um, Western market-facing English language books about Japan and Japan uh, cultural things. Like he wrote the Yokai Attack, um, like stories of ninjas and stuff. Uh, so kind of Japan subculture stuff. Um, but Hiroko Tabuchi posed the question, 
does this mean that K-pop, K-beauty, and Korean movies with these cultural juggernauts like Parasite are starting to eclipse Japan's soft power? Uh, and Matt kind of came back and said, I think that's really interesting. It was a well-deserved win, and K-pop definitely does better than J-pop, but does that mean that Korea is poised to overtake Japan as a tastemaker? And he, his idea is that Japan's soft power isn't really built on hits. It's more about the idea of Japan. What do you guys think? The only way that I heard about the Parasite win was because uh, an interviewer interviewed that gentleman on the red carpet and asked him the question, what made you decide to do the film in Korean? A number uh, of interviewers did. At least okay. two interviewers are on, on tape. <laughs> and that doesn't count the interviewer who asks him, like, what do you think is the best thing about being famous in America? And all of them were like, what? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, uh, so soft power is all, all about cultural um, as opposed to like military power, financial power, economic power. Soft power is more the the ideas around the country that make it uh, attractive to tourists and marketable and that bring in money through cultural. It's just about sentiment, really. It's about yeah. when you think of that country, what does it make you feel? And soft power can be generated, but it's really, really hard to because it, it needs multiple thousands of of touch points in order to be to be generated and arguably i think britain probably is losing its soft power like what what really exists that's british around the world you know the legacy of the beatles the odd i don't know irish pub which somehow britain still gets some, some kind of credit for and uh, not there's not really a lot left harry and I potter think that, themed amusement parks uh that's true yeah um although was harry potter british or is he a fictional character have a think about that bobby uh <laughs> Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but the uh, I, I think the reason why Japan has so much software is partly because of its huge economic influence in the 80s, right? That is to say that it was basically this kind of one, dare I say, and I hate to use this word, exotic influence in the global markets, right? It, it was it was a market which was culturally very very different to the other markets which were uh, interacting, and it, it was it was supplying these new exotic products like mini displays and tape recorders. In addition to that, uh, there was, the, the, and of course, this is kind of pre-manga, pre-anime, right? Pre-Japanese right. pop pop culture, uh, and and then of course you have Japanese restaurants. And I I certainly have this feeling that like more and more people in the UK are aware of what Korea is now. People know about say Korean fried chicken. There's now Korean fried chicken pop-up stores, and I've not seen a single karage shop in London, but there's like multiple Korean fried chicken shops. People know about um, Korean barbecues, that's now a thing. Uh, and of course, the, the the kind of the the stream of consciousness for Korean music started with Gangnam Style, right? That was basically the first time that a, a Korean, a song which was sung entirely in Korean, reached number one in the UK charts. And so I think certainly in the last five years, there has been a huge spike in interest for Korea. And there hasn't been anything from japan to compensate for that so i wouldn't say that japan is diminishing so much as there's new exciting things coming from other places and japan doesn't have anything new to offer sophie what do you think bobby she's already actually appeared on the podcast so yeah i was i was gonna ask do, do people we've hit the checkbox are people in england aware that there are uh two other people on this podcast or is it just is it just the ali show again <laughs> That's funny. Right? Yeah, you, you, it is funny. All right, it so Ali had, his, Ali had his five minutes. Sophie, do you have opinions <laughs> that you'd like to share? <laughs> okay, so here's my five minutes. It's funny because I'm in on the joke. That's why it's funny. I love it as well, you know? I, I agree with Ollie. Actually, That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. I agree with Ollie. That's all we need. Hey, let me talk. 
And so, um, Thank you, Sophie. it's kind of surprising that someone said, um, Korea is starting to, you know, be Japanese culture, blah, 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 like starting like yeah. when are, what, like that happened like years ago. Like, what are you talking about? Like K-pop was like, you know, big in Japan too. Like starting from, I don't know, um, big bang, Kara girls generation blah 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 and then like they all went to the states and then like it was already big like right now they got 21 um bts everything but what japan got nothing like that you know like korea like k-pop like korean culture is big and like everywhere in the world but like we got nothing so like it's kind of surprising that they start set they she used the word started you yeah know? starting to eclipse it's been a long yeah. long long running process yeah exactly i think there's two two interesting things about it one is that um some people are saying that a lot of the the ikioi a lot of the momentum behind like this uh mm-hmm. korean pop culture korean soft power building in other countries is because there are more second and third generation korean citizens of those countries there's a huge Korean American population in the US that's much mm-hmm. bigger than the Japanese American population. So you've got like kids in high school who are gonna show their friends this or people who are gonna tune in when a Korean band performs on Saturday Night Live. And the other thing, and don't don't bite my head off here, Ali, but the other thing that I think is a big factor is that the content that Korea is producing in terms of the movies and the music is objectively good while the content that Japan is producing is objectively bad. Exactly. (laughs) And I don't want to say, I mean, when when I say that, I mean that there is not as much value in Japanese pop culture placed on somebody being good at something. And it's a legit problem in the music industry where the idols and the bands, they dress them up cute, but like they're not supposed to be great singers. They're not supposed to be great dancers. And actually, some of them are cast with kind of looking for imperfections in that they, they don't want them to have, say, perfect teeth or like the the uh, perfect teeth sounds like, they're bu- you know, we're buying a horse. But, but I remember reading I remember reading an article about how the 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 uh, J-pop idol group system is set up such that they bring them in kind of age 14, 15, and they want the male fans to feel some kind of guardianship over their growth well it goes it's both ways and weird. the male idol groups are the same they're supposed to be kind of like these girl and boy next door cute very young accessible figures that you can feel like either a parent or an older brother and you're watching them grow up kind of thing but yeah, it's gross either way it's gross and the quality <laughs> is low <laughs> the quality is not good so when you take this specific cultural appeal to like you watch somebody doing not great choreography, singing an off-key song, and culturally you go, oh, I respond to that, I want to root for them. You That doesn't translate when you take it overseas. And Ali, you said that there's no like equivalent to like kind of these big K-pop performances that get, uh, that get attention overseas. The only Japanese one I could think of was the baby metal performance on Stephen Colbert's Late Night, like four or five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I think- right. One of the reasons that that got so much attention was because the metal band who plays for them is an amazing metal band. It's about yeah. you know, quality. So Bobby's thesis is that Japan doesn't turn out perfect hits, but Pen Pineapple Apple Pen is perfect. Not what I said in any sense. Yeah. So basically, um, uh, those you know 
uh, what was it? So those like AKB, like Johnny's, those idols, like, as you guys said, like they're imperfect, like their performance and their singing, it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's it's compared, bad. It's compared to, to like K-pop artists. And, but I think that's, it's weird, but I think that's why they can make more money, you know, in Japan because people think like people, I, I don't know why, like people don't want superstar in Japan. Like they just mm. want like, you know, boy next door, like girl next door kind of people. And then like, they want to, you know, for those mm. girls yeah, and boys and then like pay money yeah. and things. Yeah. So I really, I really don't like that, but I don't, I don't really know. I feel like they're missing out real talents, like a lot of real talents because they're focusing too much on these, you know, like yeah. normal people. Originality. <laughs> gets lost. Originality yeah. gets lost. And then, like that star quality tends to get lost mm. too. Well, one thing that I think is quite good about Japan is that people are prepared to spend money on live entertainment, right? People do mm. like throw 50 bucks on a concert, uh, you know, without too much thought. And uh, there are live music venues which do, you know, support artists who do make a living playing music. And I think that's something which Japan should be applauded for. And there's kind of this point, why would somebody want to go down this route where they make one small uh, mistake in their private life? And then six months later, they're on national TV, shaving their head off, crying and apologizing for having not separated their plastic from their burnable uh, trash or <laughs> whatever the... Uh, indiscretion was Quick fact check uh they're often required to shave their hair off not their head off uh if they shave their head <laughs> off that would, be, that would be a much bigger thing uh let me jump in real quick i want to ask what you guys think about matt alt's uh thesis here that um japan as a global tastemaker is more about the idea of japan culturally and not the hits that it produces not not so much the pop culture yeah, like yes. animes and things, right? Like, I don't really think, like, no other country can beat Japan in anime industry because, and or comic or whatever, like Shukan Shonen Jump or whatever, like, that, the same thing where the higher level, level of those products won't mm -hmm. be, like, appearing in other regions or whatever. I am so confident about that. It reminds me a bit of Dave Gutteridge's cartoon. So Dave Gutteridge is a... Uh, a stand-up comedian or maybe former stand-up comedian I'm not, sure, I'm not sure these days it's hard to keep track uh, who uh, he, um, he he did a, a a comic Sophie where there there's it's a comic with only two squares the first square is a, a one white guy saying to another white guy wow dude you live in Japan and then above his head is a bubble with like Pikachu and uh, a sushi restaurant called Hello Sushi, which looks like Hello Kitty and the, the Great Wave uh, and like manga and some sumo wrestlers. And it all looks really cool. And then the guy that responds to him uh, to the question, wow, you live in Japan. He just says, yep. And what he's imagining is like drinking outside of a 7-Eleven and like a packed train. And so like the point of uh, Dave's cartoon went viral because it's... um. It's basically this idea, right? They're like the idea of yeah. Japan. Like every time I go abroad and then like when I say like, oh, I'm from Japan, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're from Japan? I'm from Tokyo? Tokyo is really awesome. I really want to go there sometime. Like, yeah, like you should go, I guess, like once in your life, but it's not a place you want to live. 
like yeah. maybe you can party there like you don't want to live there like you know they have like this whole like imagination for japan like it's really you know everything is high high tech and then like I don't know, like spaceship is going around. I don't know. I don't know what they're guessing, but I might be looking at this in a slightly different way. But I think I don't want to read too much into what somebody else is saying. But the thing that I took away from it is the idea that it's it's more of kind of like a traditional idea, the Western kind of Orientalist idea of a traditional Japan that is the staying power behind Japan's soft power. You know, things like Zen Buddhism or Japanese food mm. or sushi or like or things that kind of like predate pop culture. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think a lot of people tend to point out as a misstep around the whole Cool Japan project was that they misidentified what foreigners think was cool. And yeah, 100%. Japan, Japan, manga, anime, amazing, great. Like I have a lot of respect for that as as a work of art. But mm -hmm. when they selected out, you know, like robots and idol groups and anime as what represents cool Japan, I think they missed the fact that a lot of what foreigners identify, a lot of what non-Japanese people identify as cool about Japan is more traditional, more historical food culture, uh, religion, um, anything that, that we look at as, as mysterious. Mm. Yeah, like how do those toilets spray your bum so well? <laughs> a lot of the books about Japan that become very popular bestsellers abroad are kind of ideas of historical, traditional Japanese ways of doing things that technology hasn't solved. So like how to keep your house in order is a really good example, right? Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, or, or, or how to, how to manage your finances, right? You don't need an app. You just need to use a, a notebook, the old traditional Japanese way. And all these books do is, is say like the same old guff, which uh, people have said for centuries and kind of, rebrand it through the Japanese lens, give it some Japanese name that's transliterated into into Roman characters. And and it's a huge, it's a it's a big seller. And what's really funny is none of these practices are employed by Japanese people, right? Like Japanese homes are comfortably the messiest homes, the most cluttered homes yeah. in the entire world, yeah, right? Yeah. Managing finances, like the amount of personal debt in Japan uh, in the under 30s is like higher than most other different developed countries. People are not good at managing their finances and every store wants to give them credit. It's like all of these all of these books are kind of appealing to what Japan could be if it never if it never modernized. Sophie, do you think there's any there's any secrets that young people have about how to live a good life in Japan that could actually be made into a book abroad? Like, is there actually anything young Japanese people do? Uh, which does mean that they have a better quality of life than foreign counterparts. So um, I guess if we're talking about, you know, what kind of message can the three of us offer for young Japanese people to make their lives better? And forgive me if I'm overstepping, but I think what we're all trying to say, this is our message. Sophie, Ali, Horn, myself, Bobby Judo, our message to Japan is uh, be more like Korea. <laughs> Okay, thanks very much for listening this week. Uh, obviously, what Bobby said there was a joke. The real way to find actual happiness is to follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is ollihornpicks, O-L-L-I-E-H-O-R-N-P-I-C-S. Bobby, where can they find you? Uh, search Bobby Judo. There's all kinds of stuff. Some of it good. Sophie, uh, your Twitter is very interesting. You want to shout out your Twitter? 
Yeah, sure. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My account is fee underscore Hardison, P-H-I-E underscore H-A-R-D-S-O-N. No, H-A-R-D-I-S-O-N. And as always, you can find our uh, message box, japanbyrivercruise.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.